Hello and welcome to Tink, a podcast about making and doing and the act of undoing that sometimes comes along with that. I'm Catherine Jane and you can find out more about me over at my website, catherinejane.co.uk. There you can also find links to all of my different social media and the show notes. Simply click on the Tink podcast link to see the most recent episode and the show notes attached to it. I hope you've all been enjoying the August month. It's been quite a productive one for me and I'm glad that autumn is finally starting to settle in. Well, some of us might argue that summer never really showed its face here in England. We had a really rainy bank holiday weekend just past, so it's been a great opportunity to get on with some stuff and September for me is always a time for starting again. It probably links in to the school year. So you're going back to school and like all that preparation. And I'm still in that mindset where September is my sort of starting again and thinking afresh and where am I going to go next and what's going to happen. As I mentioned in the last podcast, I had a lot of time in between um, my two jobs. So August was pretty free for me to just get on with some creative projects and to think about those things about where I want to go next in my own creative journey and also what I'm planning to do. So I've made a few decisions, I think, um, finally trying to find my path. It's still a struggle sometimes and I still feel confused, but it's a little bit more clarity is coming ahead and I'm going for a meeting today actually to discuss taking a nighttime class in pattern drafting. So I'm really excited about that and hopefully it'll be what I want. I just I want to check it's definitely something that I'm interested in before I start investing money and effort and time into something. But if I do start that, it won't be for a while yet. So let's get on with talking about what I've gotten up to during the last month. With so much free time over August, I really don't have any reason not to have gotten all my goals done. But unfortunately, there were one or two things that slipped under the radar. I'm not going to feel too bad about it though because I managed to get everything else complete and I also started some other projects. Now I have been trying to resist starting things that aren't on my list so I finished my knitting goals quite early on in August and I was really tempted to cast on a new project but I had loads of embroidery and sewing goals still to do so I delayed that but the things I picked up are things that have been sitting hidden in bags under my bed for quite a while and I thought they really deserve to be out there and just slowly worked on each month just a couple of bits so I'll tell you more about that in a minute. First though I want to tell you about those knitting goals that I managed to finish. The first one was the Hayfield jumper that was for Graham. I found out on Ravelry that it's actually called the Rural Retreat jumper. It's a raglan sleeve heavily cabled um, pattern jumper that has twisted diamonds in it with moss stitch and moss stitch sleeve so it's quite a lot of work and effort and I think I talked about it in the last podcast that when I first started this jumper the sleeve had to be ripped back a couple of times. It mentions a lot in the pattern about decreasing the size so you're knitting two stitches together but then it's not telling you how to keep the pattern the same in the middle after you've done that because obviously when you're taking out stitches on each end it alters where the pattern lies. And when I started this jumper, I've never really knit anything this big before by hand. Um, I've done the shawl, obviously, but apart from that, I've not knit a big project. I, Well, I did try and knit a cardigan when I was 18, and it turned out awfully. I don't think I did a gauge swatch or anything, so this is my first sort of big project and the first jumper, and 
it was quite confusing at times when I was reading the pattern. It just assumed that you knew a lot, so maybe I jumped in a bit at the deep end and put a bit too much pressure on myself to do something that was maybe a little bit complex for me. But then I think sometimes that's the best way to go about projects, like have that blind optimism that you can do it and then you just make it happen. And I managed to finish it, so I've obviously picked up the skills that I needed to. At first, it was like twist stitches. I've never done them before, and it's so confusing when you first start, and it felt really tight on my needles, and I was like, I feel like the wall is going to break, or I'm going to snap the needle, or something like that. And I'm quite a tight knitter anyway. So the two things combined, I was just like, this is nightmarish. Towards the end, though, I found it quite simple, and once you get familiar with a pattern, you do understand what should be happening where. So after a while, it was quite all right doing the decreases. But at the start, when I was doing them, I couldn't figure out what part of the pattern I was on. It was a lot of reading the chart. Well, it wasn't chart, it was written instruction. It was a lot of going through the written instructions and trying to figure out what stitch related to what and how many stitches I took off and how far in did that take me then into the pattern. Despite that negativity, <laughs> like it sounds, um, isn't that negative I'm happy enough with the jumper at the end it didn't finish as well as I thought it would so your finishing is when you're sewing it up and stuff and when I've machined it before I went and had some training with a, another machine knitter when I was at university because my uni didn't offer machine knitting as a course so I had to go and find somebody else who had a lot of specialist information and one of the most basic things she actually taught me was how to stitch two pieces of knitting together really neatly and it sounds like one of the most simple things, and it really was. And I like to refer to it as knitting, um, sewing even, sorry, between the Vs. So when you look at your knit structure, there's like little Vs. And in between them is a little bar almost with the wall behind. And you just pick that bit up between the Vs. And when you then stitch it together, you get a really neat seam. So I applied this to the jumper when I was sewing the raglan sleeve in. But then it took too much of the jumper seam in so the sleeve seam in sorry and it didn't look that neat or it didn't look as neat as I anticipated so when I looked at her pattern and hers is really neat and tidy I was a bit confused because mine didn't look the same so I think maybe I shouldn't have done the stitching so far in so I had a clear V and that maybe I should have done it more on the edge maybe then it would look different I'm also a little bit OCD <laughs> so it kind of niggles me as well with the jumper so there's a diamond repeat that works its way up that has moss stitching inside and on the front neckline it's nearly a full diamond but not quite and I would have just loved it to have just finished off that little bit more so that it would have been an extra row or two I think to have got that full diamond on the front but then your back's longer than your front anyway so whatever happens you're not going to have the same on each side. When I was knitting the neckband as well, it also says to do about 18 rows, and I was knitting this and I was like, this is insanely long. When I get this on your neck, it's going to be ridiculous. So I decided to do it shorter, and I'm really glad I did, because I still think um, it isn't too long, but it's definitely the right length, and I tried to do it about the same length as the cuffs. So I'm happy with that. And the more I see it on Graham, the more I kind of like it. The more it's worn, the more it looks right. The photography that we did for it, I'm really happy with. We were searching for locations in my hometown 
and I often end up going to parks. So like when I took pictures of the pine cone shawl in the woods, I really knew what I wanted. The scarf, the shawl even, sorry, was the greeny tones of the leaves in the woods and it was called pine cones and it all made a lot of sense. Whereas with this jumper, there wasn't that much of a story in that sense. So I was like, I don't know where we're going to photograph this. Um, and then I found these garage doors that were beautifully distressed and I love the colour. It's this like vividly green shade and it's all distressed in certain areas. And I was like, that is where we're going to photograph a lot of stuff today. And we did. So I photographed the jumper on Graham, the bags we both made, a purse I made. And then we, when we were walking back to my house, there were some more garage doors that I wanted to use that were more grey colours to photograph the juniper hat that I finished and I'm going to tell you about now. Juniper is a design by Carrie Vesterman that you can find in the Knit Generation book. It's knit with two strands of rowan yarn, so one is a kid's silk haze and the other is a felted tweed. Holding both together and using a circular needle, you quickly whip up this beautifully textured hat that has a soft halo around it. It's gorgeous and right on the top is a little cute pom-pom. I had a great time making this hat. It's the first one I've ever made, so this podcast is an episode of firsts. I only had one surprise with this hat and that got to the bit with the crown shaping where the pattern changes to just guard stitch. And I have to confess, I must be about the only knitter who doesn't like garter stitch. The thing is as well, I love textured knits. I love cabling and I love moss stitch. Moss stitch is one of my favourites. And I love things that have that texture without colour. I'm more into texture than colour. Um, I'd much rather something that feels quite tactile. And my whole hesitation actually at uni was about how tactility is really important to understanding things. So I really like things that are very touchy-feely, which is why I guess it's a bit weird that I don't like guard stitch. But for me, it always looks like the back of work. So obviously when you do stockinette stitch, your garter is on the back. And maybe it's because I've done a lot of machine knitting and that automatically just knits stockinette. And I just prefer that sort of flat edge with the knitting. I think the ridges on guard stitch can look a bit, mm, just not to my taste. And if I had sat and figured it out, I could have probably done the hat without using the guard stitch. But I like to kind of just follow the pattern and just, I'd rather make something first following a pattern or instructions or like when I cook, I like to follow the recipe to the sort of, to the word the first time and then add ad adaptations the next time I do something, just so you have that familiarity of how it should look and how it should be. Um, and that applies to knitting, I guess. I just wanted to make it how it should look and how it should be before I started altering it. And to be honest, because the crown is obviously at the top of the hat, you can't really see the guard stitch when you're wearing it. So it didn't bother me enough to tink it back and do it again. I had a great time making the little pom-pom to go on top. Um, struggled a little bit to make sure it was definitely secure because I was like, I really don't want this falling off when I'm walking down the street. So I've sewn it in really good and proper and it's not budging anywhere. Like I said though, it's a lovely little hat and I really like it. It's quite a slouchy fit, so I do think I might try and knit something else that's a bit more um, figure fitting, almost to say, head hugging. I don't really know what the right term is, but I definitely won't knit it in grey, surprise, surprise. I will try and find another colour. At the minute I have that new grey hat and a black hat that has like ear flaps and tassels on the end and that's cabled. So I've got to really sit, sit and think about what I might want next. 
navy is cropping up. Obviously, I talked about it in the last podcast, navy, black and grey are my colours. So maybe a little navy hat. We'll see. I'm not in any rush to get on with that. There's a lot of knitting that needs to happen first. I'll tell you all about what my knitting goals are for September in a, a short while, but I still have all the other things that I've done over August, including a little bit of crochet. So I don't just knit, but I do primarily knit when it comes to yarn craft. But as I mentioned in the last podcast, I've been crocheting a blanket for Graham in a tumbling block pattern for a while now, probably over a year. So this blanket is a really slow grower and we spent some time at his parents and as I said in the last podcast I think as well that when we go up there the blanket has been living there and when I go up I sort of take tons of diamonds and sew more onto the blanket so it's grown quite a bit and then I wanted to try and get six crochets diamonds done last month as well I don't think I did that many I think I did four or five basically what I did was I sewed up what I already had and added it as sort of neatly as I could to the dark blanket I like it to grow in a sort of way that makes it look organic still and make it still look like a blanket and it's equal and it's balanced and then my goal was to just sort of even out the amount of diamonds I had so there's three colors that I'm working with and I think I ended up having uh, more tealy shades than blue so I had to knit more blue and then I think I have more gray so I had to knit a couple of the teal and blue sorry crochet and then a couple of the teal and blue just to make sure it's all even and equated up so I'm going to keep working on that there'll be some goals for that in September as well and speaking of blankets the project that I unearthed from underneath my bed was actually a patchwork quilt that I've had around for ages when I was at university I took part in a community arts project that involved going into residential care homes and we created patchwork quilts with the residents as part of this we were taught how to do English paper piecing and as soon as I was taught it I was addicted it's a type of slow craft that I love it's just so relaxing it's the type of thing that you can sit and do and work on while you're watching the telly at night and I often sit in bed with my little patchwork quilt bag and watching really bad telly on Netflix (laughs) just slowly working away on it so the patchwork has been sitting under the bed and each time I sort of get inspired with it I'm like right I'm not going to have this quilt as having a strict pattern to it. I'm just going to do random. And I'm like, I can't deal with doing random. As I said, I'm quite, I, I like things in like set ways. I'm quite OCD. I like a lot of structure and like a lot of routine. I think that sort of applies to the type of projects that I like to do. So I like things that look put together and symmetrical and balanced. And when I was doing this sort of random quilt, I was like, it's fine for now. But then what if I start introducing other fabrics and then Obviously, they're not going to be incorporated in the middle with the other pieces that have already existed there. So now I've decided that I'm definitely going to be doing like granny flowers. I'm not sure if that's the right term for them, but it's basically where it's the hexagons that make up the flower. And then I'm going to have black borders around all of them. So the fabric I'm using is sort of leftover fabrics from other projects, sewing projects. And I have a lot of like houndstooth and a really nice um, woven fabric that I used to make a jacket when I graduated so um, I love patchworking for that reason as well that it uses up scrap material in such a beautiful way and it's so it feels like I'm connecting to generations of women who made quilts in the past 
I actually went to York last year and went to the Quilting Museum, which I think is unfortunately shutting down soon. And they had this fantastic exhibition of quilts and how they linked to the certain areas eras of t um, of time. And they also had costumes from that era as well attached to it. And we're talking about why people did patchwork in that time, how the patchwork is differentiated, and all of this information. And it was so interesting. I always get excited when I see costume and a lot of this was from a lot of films I love. So the most recent adaptation of Jane Eyre, it had the dresses there and from like Downton Abbey, so I was getting really excited. I honestly, when you put me in a museum with costumes, I get super, super excited and I just love it. Clothing used to be so extravagant and detailed and it's so different to what we wear now and I just find it fascinating really. And with that mention of clothes, maybe it's time to talk about all my stitch goals of August. I finished my dress and I'm really super chuffed with it. The reservations about the fabric looking odd over the dress are totally gone. It looks beautiful. And I was quite worried about pattern match actually after one stage, but luckily the herringbone is so small that you can get away with it not quite lining up. Obviously with a bigger pattern you have to worry about those things because it looks mismatched. But this is so small that you can honestly, you can't really tell. This is the first time as well that I've actually got overly concerned with the fit. Normally I just go off the size measurements on the back so I measure my bust, my waist and my hips. I look what size it says I am on the pattern and I normally cut to that size. If I'd followed that this time I would have been cutting the dress out in a size 16. And I've done this before with patterns and it always comes up big. And then I wonder, why is it so big? Why is this not fitting me? How do I make this fit? So this time I decided to go by the finished bust measurements and also the finished waist measurements on the pattern to try and figure it out. I'm a pear-shaped girl, so my bust measurements are often a size smaller or two than the pattern uh, measurements for the waist and the hips. So it's really awkward anyway, falling between sizes. And I realised when I looked at the finished bush me bust measurements that I should be cutting to a size 10. I think the pattern was originally designed to have a lot of ease. So ease is where you've had positive ease, which is a lot of space that allows you to move around in the garment, because obviously you don't want it to fit to the exact measurement, unless obviously you like a very fitted look. Um, or you can have negative beads, which is obviously more applicable to like knitwear. So the jumper will be maybe half an inch smaller than your bust and it stretches. So with stretch fabrics, it's fine. But obviously with woven fabric, you don't really want negative ease because it's just going to be uncomfortable. I do like quite a fitted garment though. And especially because this pattern was a shirt dress, I knew I wanted it to be quite tailored into the body. So when I was looking at the pattern sizes, I thought this 16 size is going to end up massive and it's really too big. So I ended up going down three sizes to get to the right one. So be careful when you're looking at a pattern. Don't always go off of what it thinks you say you are. If you want it to fit differently, you may have to alter it. And I spent a lot of time then trying to figure out what waist measurement I should cut out, whether it should be a 12 or a 14. So I was like trying to figure it out by measuring the pattern pieces, taking off the seam allowances and figuring it out. And stupidly, I didn't do it on the waistband. I was trying to do it on the back pieces and the front pieces. So the front piece had a big dart in it. So obviously I then had to take the dart off it. And then I realized there was a button band as well. 
And then I realised in the back it was all gathered and I was like, how am I meant to work this out? And then I found the waistband. And I was like, wow, that would have saved me so many hours of calculating and trying to figure out what size to cut. Um, but then I figured it out and it was all fine. I was a bit nervous about the bodice not fitting right with the going from a 12 at the bust then down to a 14 at the waist. So you have to draw a line across the two... Um, there's like dotted lines on your patterns that all look different. So the size 10 dotted line down to the 14 dotted line, I had to draw like a new cutting line. And then I traced off the pattern onto a, actually I traced it off onto wall uh, lining paper, which is really cheap and a super great thing to use to draft up a pattern block. From this, I then cut out a toile in I think it was just some white cotton fabric that I had. So just a simple woven fabric that was about the same weight as the fabric I'd chosen to use. Um, I So I took the darts in, pinned it all together, saw how it fit and was quite happy with it and decided, yep, yeah, I think this is going to work. And it did. The fit isn't 100% perfect, but considering that I took more time this time, than I ever have with any other sewing project. I'm really pleased with it and I'm actually really pleased with a lot of my finishing on this garment. Normally, I really struggle with collars. I've made a shirt before for Graham and this bit I struggle with is like the collar band and the getting the curves on each one the same. I find when you sew curves that they always look different depending on which way you approach it. So. I was really worried that these curves would look really wrong and obviously they're quite visible on the collar. You can see it straight away, but it all turned out really great. The only thing <laughs> that took me by surprise with this stone project was the amount of hand stitching that I had to do. I say had to do, I could have sewn these seams on the machine, but then obviously you have the stitching lines. So it was like on the shoulder seams where your interfacing meets, you had to slip stitch there, you had to slip stitch the collar band over and slip stitch your front bands down, so your front button bands. And I decided to do this by hand because I don't know if I have a foot for it. And also, I just didn't want the stitch invisible. I didn't want to ruin the pattern with big thick lines of navy stitching going down the whole thing. So this meant a lot of hand stitching, which is incredibly tiresome. And slip stitching, you have to be really careful. What, you in, what you're intending to do is pick up um, threads on the back of the fabric and then sewing the bit down that you need to. So you try not to go through to the front of the garment and it can be just a bit of a pain really. But I managed to finish it and I managed to sew all the buttons on. At first I had a bit of a problem with um, my button foot. So I have one that you stick your button in and it normally just sews it to the right size. But I forgot to pull down like this mechanism on the machine which tells it when to stop. So I was like sewing these buttons and they just were going on forever. They were only meant to be like half an inch long. And I was like, why does this keep going? What am I doing wrong? And then I realised and I felt stupid. Um, but it all got sorted. And I was really finickety this time with my buttons because I found with button placement before as well, it can be off. So I would measure the distances between each one. Um, <laughs> a bit OCD again. But I think it's things like that that really help with the finish and the fit. It does seem like the button band with the holes cut out sort of misshape a bit as well when they go over the buttons, which is a little bit annoying. They are 
faced with interfacing so I'm not really sure why it's doing that maybe I needed a heavier interfacing I'm not sure it's something that I'm probably gonna have to look at generally though I am really happy with this dress I've just stuck it in the wash because I still had some Taylor's chalk marks in there and I'm really hoping they come out in the wash actually because if they don't it's on really visible parts of the dress like on the button band where I was trying to mark the right placements so hopefully it'll be fine I'm sure it will be and then I will get some photos taken soon to share with you over on the blog. I also managed to finish the purse and I'm really chuffed with that as well. I used a free online pattern in the end because, as I mentioned in the last podcast, I did try and draft my own. But the fabric I was using is this beautiful woven that I found. And the amount of layers I designed in the purse made it so bulky, it just wasn't going to work. And I hadn't really factored in like folding places and it just, it wasn't happening at all. I decided I needed to just follow a pattern and just get it done. So this free pattern was on a blog, it's the Fort Worth Studio blog. And it was a great pattern apart from one thing. And that was that the purse section at the bottom wasn't lined. So it's called a basic wallet tutorial and it's like a fold out wallet that's got a section in the middle that you place your cards in and then at the bottom is a zip up bit where you put your change. And yeah, like I said, I love all of it apart from the fact that your purse section isn't lined and then you can just see the interfacing and the wrong side and where your clasp bit is to like shut the whole purse up and I just really did not like that. So I had to figure out how to fit in an interfacing into the purse that would work because you you fold the purse out through the pocket so obviously you can't sew an interfacing in early on in the design because then you're never going to fold it out the right way um, but it's a great tutorial if you're looking for something and I took it around to a friend's and I was showing her and she was like oh can you make me one so I made her one as well um, hers has like plastic sections in it as well to give it a bit more rigidity I quite like how soft it is um, and then when you have the cards in the middle section, it does add a bit of structure and support to the purse that you wouldn't otherwise have. I still have some of the beautiful woven fabric left as well, so I'm not really sure what to do with it still. I might leave it for a while, see what projects crop up and what I might use it for. I did want to try and design another bag, I think, this month um, that I could put my knitting projects in, but I didn't manage to get that done, so that's going to move on to September and I'll talk about that in a bit more detail then. And also the other project I didn't manage to get done this month was to make my little lace bag. But lace classes start again on the 14th of September. So I think it's going to be a really early September goal for me to try and get these done. So I have like um, a really nice fabric holder for everything that matches the bag that I take to lace and everything. Um, so it's all ready and prepared. And I've decided for lace group that I'm going to try and find some Christmas decorations to make. It's a bit early, I know, to start thinking about Christmas, but probably not if you want to try and do a handmade Christmas. I know how long lace takes, and I know this is probably going to take forever, so I'm just thinking of like little things that maybe can go on a card or on a present or could be like a little Christmas decoration. Um, I'll have to have a look online and see if there's any free ones or ones that I can download. I did get given a pattern for some Buckinghamshire point lace, which is a different technique style of lace. Um, I have learned torsion lace, which is like, I think the most simple one. I think really experienced lace makers used to look down on it because it's quite geometric and quite easy to pick up compared to some of the more um, detailed 
styles of lace and it's a beautiful little pattern that she's given me this lady um so i hope i'll be able to use it one day in the future i think at the minute it may be a bit beyond my skill set i just want to go back to lace group with something a little bit simple because i've not picked up my lace bobbins or touched the lace stuff in a month or so so i just want something that's quite easy going while when i get back and stuff that i can do relatively quickly in comparison to bigger projects and something that i can just start and finish myself as well i would love to do that every time i've started a project i've always had help and assistance with it and i would love to just have that feeling of doing the whole project on my own and finishing it another long-term sewing project that i managed to get finished with my embroidery i am so happy that is done it was lingering around in the studio taunting me every time i came in you've not finished me yet i'm still here and it's still sitting on the tapestry frame actually because now it's done i'm not really sure what to do with it i did put a blog post up with um some detailed shots of different sections of the the piece because to be honest i'm actually happier with certain little sections than i am with the whole thing it was really meant as a sort of project to sort of challenge the skills that i had and try and learn some new stitch techniques there was this really good book that i got out from the library that had all sorts of different embroidery stitches in um, so I used quite a few of them and I learnt like this heavy chain stitch which looks incredible and also um, boulon roses which is a technique using a boulon stitch and then some like more 3D stitch techniques and like heavily satin stitched areas so certain sections I'm really happy with and it's made me want to do more and more embroidery I think I'm definitely going to have to invest in a, like in a reference book just so I can learn all these new stitches and not have to keep going to the library and renewing the same book. <laughs> That's it for all of my August goals. Like I said, I did manage to get most of the stuff done apart from the lace bag. And the other thing that I forgot or just totally slipped under the radar was designing Graham's socks. So I need to crack on with them and get started with them. I've been promising him a pair of socks for a while, so they really do need to get designed. That will transfer onto my September goals though, and I'm gonna tell you more about them in a second. September's here, hooray, autumn's settling in. September, as I said, is a really good month for me because it's that restarting and thinking again, and also it's my birthday in September, so it ends up being quite a busy month, and it's also my sister's birthday. We have our birthdays quite close together, so it ends up being quite, yeah, like I said, a busy time of year for us. Also, I started my new job. So obviously it's the school. It started this month. And, and I anticipate that because of that being more days in a week than I'm used to and getting used to the routine and everything, that I really don't think September will be as productive in terms of things I can make. And also because, it, like I said, it's, it's my birthday. It's my sister's birthday. And then towards the end of the month, a friend that... Um, from Hereford at uni it's her birthday so I'm going back there for the first time since I've graduated and then I have um, other things going on so I'm not anticipating that I'll be able to get as much done so I've been quite sensible with my goals this month I think and tried to limit how much I'm expecting from myself until I'm used to the new job and the routine and know how much spare time I can have and also know how much time I'll have at the weekend because now I have a full weekend again, I can go off and do things instead of having like static lone days. So I'm really excited about this new schedule that I've got and trying to get some stuff done. So 
as I didn't manage to get the designs for Graham's socks done last month, I'm hopefully going to get those done. And I'm also um, going to get the lace bag made this weekend, hopefully. I need to take my sewing machine over to my mum's to fix my little brother's school trousers as he's just started high school, um, which is strange because I, he was born when I was about his age now. So it's really odd to see him being like a grown up and going up to a big school. Um, so today, yeah, I'm hopefully going to get the lace bag made ready for when lace starts on the 14th. I have a few other sewing goals this month and stitch goals, so I'll tell you about them now. One of the things I want to do is to make another pair of pants. So a while ago I did a blog post about the Pretty Pants workshop that I went to at the Sewing Cafe. It was run by Laura Stanford, who is a co-author, along with Catherine Shears, of The Secrets of Sewing Lingerie book. It's a fantastic collection of soft, beautiful lingerie. I find that, um, as a sewer, underwear was one of the things I was most nervous about and thought that I couldn't make it home easily. And when I went to this workshop with Laura, she was so helpful and she instilled this belief that you can do it. So while I was there, I got a copy of the book and it's full of so many things that I really want to make. But I don't want to challenge myself too much this month I just want to have some projects that I know that I can get done quite easily and I've made a pair of pants before obviously at the workshop and I want to make another pair so I bought some beautiful navy and white fabric that's all floral and I know I have some navy jersey I've just got to buy the elastic and then I can get cracking on with that these pants are a great project as well because like I said I know how to do the pattern and they can just be whipped up really nicely in an afternoon um when you have a lot of slow craft projects, it's sometimes nice to have something that you can get done quite quickly and have that sort of instant gratification, which is rare when a lot of your slow crafting projects can take quite a long time to complete. One of the slow crafting projects that I really want to crack on with this month is the English paper piecing quilt. A little bit of a tongue twister there. So the quilt is consisted of granny flowers and each granny flower has seven hexagonal pieces of paper that are covered in fabric then they're sewn together so I'm doing like a white center and then the gray fabrics gray blacks fabrics that are woven or like dog's tooth are around the flower so I want to do at least two of those that's 14 pieces of paper that need covering and then need sewing together so it's not too much it's just enough to feel like there's some sort of progress going on with the whole project in the same way, I want to get a few diamonds crocheted together for Graham's tumbling block quilt as well. And I want to get all these spare pieces that I have sewn up. So when I visited Graham's parents, I did take more diamonds with me than I actually managed to sew to the blanket. And the reason for this was that a lot of them hadn't been pressed. Once the diamonds have been crocheted, the edges curl up. And obviously, if you give them a quick little press, it just makes them so much easier to sew together. So I think when I was looking at the stash that I've already got, there are about 10 sets, so 10 sets of three diamonds, um, and there's one that's missing one diamond, so I need to get that one done. And then I also want to create two more cubes, which consist of three diamonds each, so that's another six to sew together and add to the blanket. And then I want it all sewn up. I don't want there to be any stray pieces sitting around anymore. So with this project now on, nothing's getting added 
um, unless it's been sewn on. So I'm not just going to be creating loads of diamonds and then they're just sitting around. They're going to be made and then put straight on to the quilt, which I think will help me feel like it's progressing a lot and there's not loads of different stages of project to do and there's like bits sitting everywhere and it's a bit in a disarray. It, it will feel a lot more organised for me. Back to the stitch goals, there's only one more for this month and I'm thinking it's the thing that's going to be done last so it's not as imperative as some of the other stuff. I want to try and get the knitting project bag designed at the very least and made at the very most. So my logo is the banner with like my name on and then all the craft items that I use surrounding it. Um, I'd love to embroider it on a bag that I can have as a knitting and sewing bag but instead of my name it'd be like knit pearl or craft create or something I'm not entirely sure what I'd want to put in the text but I would love to get this bag made because at the minute I only have one project bag which makes it quite difficult as I then start using all my sort of shopper bags to hold other projects and then I can't use them for if I go out or whatever so I want to create this bag and it just be like a really nice little memento thing for carrying around projects and making me feel inspired and inside I would love to have little purses as well to have like embroidery uh, scissors and needles and crochet hooks or cable needles or things like that embroidered on so the little bits that you carry around when you're knitting and crocheting and crafting that you need to have in your bag so that would hold those but that's definitely not going to happen this month but we'll try for the bag but I'm not sure because I know how long now embroidery really takes and it might be a bit ambitious to try and get all of that done along with all the work that I've got to do for my new job, along with the day trips, along with everything else that's going on and along with all these knitting goals that I set myself and I'm going to tell you about now. So I've already cast on a Ferrar tank that I'm making for myself which is from the Knitting Vintage book by Claire Montgomery. I updated my Ravelry yesterday or the day before with all of the yarn I'm using because my colourways are different from what um, the book states. And as I talked about in the August goals, I'd already planned out what the colour changes and what I was going to do. So that's all planned. I've cast on the front and I've done all of the rib and I've just started the first section of colour work. And while I was doing it, I kind of decided that I want to knit the front and the back together. So just in case I do start running out of colours and I have to swap colourways round, I want it to be the same on the front and on the back. So luckily I have multiples of the needles that I need. So you cast on with a 2.75mm needle. So I'll cast on the back soon as well, get all the rib done and do the first block of colour work. So I'll do the block of colour work on the front piece and then do it on the back piece. Go back to the front piece, do the next section, then go back to the back piece so it's equal and balanced the whole way through. I just want the project to look really finished and nice and everything be equal and look the same on the front and the back. So that's why I've decided to do that. I don't want to run out of things halfway through the back jumper and then have to adapt the back and it look different from the front. I just don't like the idea of that. Um, and it's a piece for myself so I can't <laughs> kind of have high expectations and I want it to be perfect and I'm more pernickety when it's for myself because well like when I was knitting the jumper for Graham I say to him does this bother you that this is slightly wrong like I've missed the moss stitch and this tiny bit of the diamond and he'd be like I can't even notice it so don't waste your energy tinking it back whereas if it was for me I'd have to do it because I wouldn't be able to stop seeing it I think we're all a little bit like that it's probably 
too much and and then you'll never get anything done if you carry on with that attitude but I do just want to make something really nice for myself and because yeah and it's my first fair isle project like colour work piece so quite excited it's strange getting used to trying to knit with two hands at once so when I'm holding my arms and I'm knitting I'm obviously holding one of my one of the yarn colours in my left hand and then trying to knit a, like continental style with my um left hand sorry so I'm holding I normally hold my yarn in my right hand but I'm having to hold one in the right and the left so it's quite unusual trying to knit continental it reminds me of crocheting more than knitting to be honest but I'm slowly getting used to it I don't really understand how you do it on the pearl side so I end up just using my right hand and swapping colours over but maybe I need to watch some YouTube videos because it will help speed up the whole making process um, I don't think the tank will actually take that long it's coming together quite quickly and I decided to knit the smallest size because the smallest size finished garment measurements ends up at a 36 chest and my chest is 37 but the next size up is a 40 finished inch like that's 40 inches is the finished measurement and I'd rather it have negative ease and be quite tight fitting than it be too big because with the tank all I'm going to wear underneath it is a shirt or a t-shirt so it's not like it's going to cover up loads of layers and I just don't want it to be massive on me so yeah I decided to go for the smaller size I may regret that in the end but we'll have to see how that turns out in other knitting news, I've been asked by a friend who I used to work with if I can make a nice little fox cow for her daughter. So this is a failing fox cow pattern by Heidi May and you can find all of her patterns on the velvetacorn.com. She creates beautiful nature inspired designs and this fox cow is so cute. So it looks like you're wearing a little fox head on top of your head and then it comes round and protects all your neck. And the pattern comes in a baby, toddler, child, adult sizes. So obviously I've had to buy all this stuff for the children's size. And it's knitting a super chunky yarn, which is gonna be a good experience for me because I never knit with chunky. And I'm hoping it's gonna whip up really quick because of that. I tend to prefer knitting with quite fine yarns. Um, at uni I remember doing a lot of embroidery, uh, a lot of crochet sorry with sewing thread so I'm that type <laughs> I'm that type of person who likes really fine and intricate things a lot of the time um but I think it's good every now and again to do something different so I went and bought some yarn for her and I've had to order some chunky uh circular needles and but it's so it's such a nice pattern that I actually might use it and adapt it to make something for myself. I really love the idea of just slipping something over your head that's just protecting your neck and your um, ears and your head, obviously. And it's all snuggly and cosy and the chunky yarn does really look like that. I'm thinking of doing a grey fox thing maybe for myself. I don't know if I'm a bit too old for a fox to be sitting on my head, but I'm just going to pretend that I'm young enough anyway. I probably am. Who cares? Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's a really nice little pattern. I'm hoping that it knits up as nicely as it looks in the thing, um, in the thing on on the pictures that you get downloaded. I think it was just over four pound to download the pattern, which really isn't that expensive. And if you are more into crochet, she does crochet patterns available for all of her patterns as well. And my last knitting goal this month is actually a machine knitting goal. So as I've briefly spoke about before I did a lot of machine knitting when I was at uni and that's what I did so I did a few jumpers but my last project was more um, using geometric shapes to create garments I was reading a lot about Japanese design 
and the way that they approach dress making and create garments um and i was taking shapes from the old hosiery factories in my town and using those to make things that would wrap around the body and act as garments so it was quite un unusual stuff um and since uni i haven't really got my knitting machine out and used it which is quite a shame i did have it out on a on its table for a while so that then i would kind of feel like a pressure almost to use it um but unfortunately i didn't but graham wants to make a jumper um so he's designing it and i'm going to help him make it so I need to get it out really and start knitting up some tension squares. So we went yarn shopping at Uppingham Yarns the other day, um, which is on the other side of Leicestershire to where I live. Um, so we travelled over to there and bought yarn, which is always expensive, but always a treat because there's so many nice yarns there. And also it's just tons of coned wool, so you can buy yarn in a lot of quantity and um, a cone should make a jumper. So he's got three colours. Um, it's gonna be quite interesting working with them because he uses a lot of bright colours in his work, and that's the sort of things that he's attracted to. Whereas, obviously, I've said before, I'm attracted to more like subtle dark colours. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how it combines together, and hopefully, it won't take us that long to do. So we've got to get tension squares done. He wants like fair art design in the jumper, so we're gonna have to design the punch cards, punch those out, and get swatches done for those. We're going to have to draft up a pattern. Well, I'm going to have to draft up a pattern based on an existing garment of his, working out sizings and stuff based on the tension square. But I actually start really enjoying that bit of the process. I love the sort of maths and working things out and the problem solving. That really appeals to me. So I'm hoping it'll be easy enough. But I have a few books on the subject anyway in case it proves to be too difficult. And hopefully getting my knit machine out will inspire me to start making again. I know when I was at uni, I really wanted to make a jumper that had diamond cabled sleeves that had beads sewn all in the middle. And after I did a tension square, I realised it would take me over 70 hours to knit a sleeve. So I ended up not doing it at uni because of time pressures. But seeing as I don't have those time restraints anymore in the same way, I could do it at home. I've just not got the energy to do it myself. And also, the thing about machine knitting is obviously it's very static. You're knitting in one place and you have to go and sit at a table in a certain room where the knitting machine set up and it, it can feel quite I don't know restricting compared to hand knitting where you can take it around you you can carry it around and machine knitting when it goes wrong tends to go wrong in a more uh, time consuming and destructive way than when you're hand knitting when you're hand knitting you can just tink back a few rows or whatever when you're machine knitting, if you have done something wrong, you can end up knitting tons more and not realising because when you knit on your machine, you are facing the back of your work and you can't see the front unless you sort of sit under the machine and try and peek or lift it up and then you have a chance of it falling off the needles. So generally it's a lot quicker, but I think also you're kind of more prone to mistakes. So if I did those cable sleeves, I would have to be so considerate of what I was doing the whole time because if you go wrong and you twist your stitches over the wrong way your diamonds will be ruined so it's kind of lucky that Graham's decided not to do any cable work on his jumper because otherwise then it might be more problematic but hopefully we'll get most of that done this month as well and um, we'll have to see how the progress goes I'm recording towards the end of the first week of September and 
uh, at the minute I'm not really done a lot so I'm gonna have to start cracking on and getting some stuff done so hopefully everything will get done and hopefully September will be a great month for everybody and myself included I'm hoping it will be there's lots of fun things planned um, getting a year older but I'm quite excited about it um, and the new job's going well so far so yeah hope, hopefully it'll all pan out just fine and like I said I hope you have a great September month and you are productive and that you have a great time making, doing and even undoing if it comes to that. 